Hi, I'm Amy Hook, the founder of The Savvy Bookkeeper and a business mentor who helps smart bookkeepers become business savvy bookkeepers. In this podcast series, I'm going to be telling my business story and sharing my bookkeeping business vision, beginning with how I originally got started and what went wrong and how I fixed it and how I transitioned away from being on the tools to having a profitable online business that runs without me. During this episode, I'll be telling my story about some of the Band-Aid solutions I tried whilst trying to fix the problems that I thought I had. So after the excitement of starting my business started to wear off, even though I was earning really good money, I also was experiencing a lot of challenges and frustrations with clients. And to solve those problems, I tried lots of different things. And you can probably relate to some of these. So I tried hiring staff. I tried changing my pricing model. I tried signing up for expensive software and mentoring programs to help me with my business. But no matter what I did, no matter how much money I spent, everything I tried, it just didn't seem to really solve the problems. So I'm going to be sharing my top three mistakes that I made in my bookkeeping business. And The mistake was that I thought that these things were problems, even though they weren't actually real problems, which meant that the solutions that I was trying didn't actually work. They were only band-aids. So what I actually needed to do was find out what the real problems were and to get some real healing in a number of areas and also to implement some different types of solutions but because I had not yet identified what the real problems were I was just trying lots of different things that many of us try as business owners trying to fix those problems. So the first mistake that I made was that thinking my problem was PITA clients. So we know what PITA stands for, and I'm not going to say it, Um, but basically my clients were disrespectful. They demanded a lot from me and they didn't really value my services or the high standards that I practiced for accurate bookkeeping. So You know, often clients would ask me for advice, but then they would ignore the advice. Others would argue with me about providing um, tax invoices. Some just didn't bother providing paperwork at all, or they didn't do it on time. And I was chasing them for um, paperwork at the end of each month or quarter. And then there were those clients that just insisted on doing their own bookkeeping to, in inverted commas, save money. But as you know, it's always quicker for an experienced bookkeeper to do it correctly the first time than to pay someone to fix mistakes. So after a couple of quarters of, you know, reviewing accounts for clients, doing their best, reporting mistakes back to them, sometimes making the changes for them, I realized that most clients weren't actually learning from their mistakes and their invoices continued to stay high or even to grow. And so no matter how much convincing I tried to do, explaining to them that it would cost less if they just got me to do everything, they would insist that they would get better over time and make fewer mistakes, but it just didn't happen. You know, occasionally you'd get one client who, you know, it might happen for, but on the whole, clients weren't really prioritizing their bookkeeping. Uh, They weren't keeping it up to date and they were continuing to make the same mistakes because they didn't have the background knowledge that they actually needed to do it correctly. So 
after a while, I started to actually feel uncomfortable about it. So at first it was good because it was nice to have a big chunk of money come in when I did their bass, but I also didn't feel right about doing it. And so, you know, some of the clients would say they didn't mind. They're happy for me to, to pay me to fix the mistakes, but personally on the inside, there was something that just didn't sit right with me. I felt that I was charging them for work that was Un, that it was unnecessary and you know some of them did mind so even though they were causing the problems they would complain after receiving their bills and then they would be confused as to why the bills weren't getting lower so that was one of the really hard things that I found in the business and I think in our early days of many of us have these types of experiences and I will be honest with you, I was completely shocked because when I was going into starting the business, I was so excited and, you know, I was really proud of my high standard of bookkeeping and I had no idea that business owners didn't love bookkeeping as much as I did. I thought that they would really care about having accurate accounts and things like that, but it actually turned out quite different and a lot of clients just didn't um, didn't want to do what was required and I I didn't understand what that was about and where it was coming from and it was a big shock to my system it was a big shock to my pride and so that was a big mistake that I made thinking that you know I just thought that it was the clients that were the problem and on some level yes the clients were a problem However, and I will share in the next episode, there was much more going on to that story. And so I tried to solve this problem by just getting more clients. I thought, well, if I get more clients, I can get rid of some of these ones that I don't like. And so I did start to do that. There was a few, like there was a couple of clients who I actually cancelled because I didn't want to do these quarterly basses anymore where I was just fixing mistakes and it just wasn't the type of work I wanted to do. So I thought getting new clients would make things better. And I started to get clients through uh, my website and through an accountant that I was working with and through referrals from existing clients. So I thought, oh, well, if I just continue to get new clients, then eventually I can just phase these ones out. But it didn't really solve the problem. And I will talk more in the next episode about the real problem and the real solution. But you know, this actually led to what was the second mistake that I made. And this was around my um, pricing. So the mistake that I made was, you know, thinking that my invoicing day guilt and fear that I experienced was something that needed to be fixed with, you know, um, could be fixed with, you know, a couple of changes to the way I did my pricing. So I don't know if you can relate to this, but Fridays were really stressful for me because that was invoicing day. And I was sometimes so afraid to press send on the invoice for the work that I'd actually done that it would take me twice as long as I needed to. I would feel guilty charging for the work that I'd done. And I was worried, like I could, sometimes I felt like I could almost picture the client's reaction when they opened the email. And even though my clients didn't often complain. So there were a few that did regularly complain, but others didn't say anything, but I still sense that some of the ones that weren't complaining, weren't happy with my hourly rate. 
So I don't know if I've shared this before, but I started out charging $100 an hour. So, you know, looking back, I can understand why they were stressed about that because, you know, that, and, you know, it came back to that whole idea, like they can't see the value and I'm worth this amount of money and I deserve to get paid this much because I've got this much experience. But, you know, the clients weren't getting it and, you know, it was having a flow on effect and I was feeling the impact. Like, even though I felt very proud of myself for charging so much um, per hour, in a sense, because I thought, oh, well, my, like most of my clients don't complain about it. They seem happy, but deep down I knew something wasn't right. And so eventually um, a number of my clients, some of them had already been asking me to change to fixed fees although I'd completely misinterpreted what they meant by this. So they thought that it meant that their fees were going to go down. Whereas what I thought they meant was that we're going to lock in the current fee that we've got. And anyway, my little journey into changing from hourly rates to packages just opened a whole new can of worms. So not only did it not solve the problem that I had, but it created all these new problems. So Firstly, I had to figure out how to calculate the fees in the first place. And that was very confusing. And, you know, there are a number of pricing experts in our industry. And I thought, I'm not going to pay a pricing expert to show me how to calculate my own packages. Like, are you serious? <laughs> I'm a bookkeeper. Like, I'm good with numbers. I'm good with spreadsheets. Like, and this is my business. I'm pretty sure I can figure this out. But after spending hours poring over spreadsheets and trying to figure out how to, you know, um, it, what to include and how much to charge for it. I ended up coming up with four different levels of packages and I would love to go look for that spreadsheet now and see what they were, but they were all really small and there's no way I could have ever succeeded with those packages. But anyway, I thought, oh, well, like I'll give it a go. And unfortunately the first experience went really badly and I significantly underquoted the client and then this client just kept asking me to do more things. So then it was also going over scope. And after that experience, I became afraid of underquoting because I didn't want to end up working for free again. And I became afraid of overquoting because I thought, well, if I overquote, I won't win the client. So I was really stuck. And so I tried a few different ways to do it. And I tried a pricing software and tried to do it that way. And then I discovered that the engagement letters that I was provided didn't actually uh, protect me from a legal perspective and so I had a client who decided after I'd done twice as much work as what they'd paid me for um, decided to uh, not pay my invoice when I went to a debt collector I was told that my engagement letter didn't legally cover me and that I wasn't protected and there wasn't really much that I could do and I never got that money back so, of course, in my knee-jerk reaction, as you can guess, I thought, okay, the solution to my problem is that I need a better engagement letter. And so I ended up signing up for an expensive bookkeeping system, which had some sales presentations and checklists and a whole lot of other things to help you run your bookkeeping business. And then that just caused new problems because during my initial consultations, I used the sales presentations and I had clients... I had actually clients laughing at me. I had one client in a presentation commenting that my presentation was business 101 and I was so embarrassed and I thought, 
wow, like, you know, I thought I was doing really well and I had all these templates set up and things like that. And, you know, to have someone react like that was very confronting. And then from there, you know, my um, potential clients, so who I went to for consultations and my existing clients, when I showed them my new engagement letter, they, some of them would like, some of them would laugh at my engagement letter. You know, they'd make comments like, wow, this is really over the top. Like I'm not signing a multi-million dollar contract, am I? And complaining about clauses such as having to provide tax invoices or pay by direct debit. And, you know, when I look back on that time, I can see, you know, these were all red flags. And I started to realize this. I'm like, okay, like having these guidelines in place actually kind of, you know, it, it gives a framework that causes people that potentially might want to just do business on a handshake to kind of out themselves. So, you know, I felt like I was making some progress in this area, but after these experiences, which were really quite humiliating, to be honest, I felt crushed because I was a very experienced bookkeeper. So as you know, I was close to 20, I think I was 19, 20 years experience in bookkeeping when I started the business. So I was very experienced in bookkeeping. I really knew what I was doing. I, you know, I, I mean, obviously we're all still learning, but I was good at what I did, but I just couldn't seem to explain what I did. And I couldn't explain my value. I couldn't articulate you know, why my service was value and why valuable and why they should pay what I was asking them to pay. And, you know, they just couldn't understand the benefits. Like what's the benefit of me hiring you at hundred dollars an hour when I can get a family member to do it for free or my accountant can do it included in my tax returns, or, you know, I could just hire an overseas VA for $8 an hour. Like why should I pay a hundred dollars? And I could not answer that question. And I will share in the next episode about how I started charging um, a bass lodgement fee and a, and then one of my initial consult clients said, why should I pay a bass lodgement fee? And I went on to explain, you know, well, that's just an industry standard. And he replied to me, I didn't care what it is. And I was very confronted by that. And I thought, you know, at first I thought, wow, what a jerk. But then I thought about it and I thought, well, in a way he's right. He didn't really communicate it with me in a very good way, but he, he was actually right. You know, why should I charge something just because it's industry standard? And I realized, you know, I don't want to charge that unless I can answer the question why, which sent me on a, a whole other journey in and of itself. And This was just another one of those eye openers where I tried to solve a problem with a solution. It just created a new problem. And I was really on a big learning curve here, but it was, it was hard. And, you know, the, the third and final mistake that was a really big one that I made and one that I see a lot of bookkeepers making today. And that is that, you know, I believed that it was too hard to find good staff. And, you know, my mistake was believing that the problem was the staff. And, you know, I, I did finally hire staff and I thought that would solve my problem because then I wouldn't have to deal directly with the clients and they would do the work and everything would be hunky-dory. 
But the thing is, it actually led to the clients complaining more about their fees because my staff didn't complete the work to the same standard that I did. So it also took them longer. And, you know, if their accounts weren't up to date, they started to complain. So when I first hired someone, I did what most people do. And it seems logical. I'll hire a junior person because they're cheaper and So I hired an accounting student and he took up more of my time because he didn't know what he was doing and he made a lot of mistakes. And then I ended up doing twice the amount of bookkeeping work than I had been doing before. So I was not only paying him, but I was working twice as hard. So then I thought, okay, well, I know how I'll solve that problem. I'll hire a more experienced bookkeeper. So I hired a mid-level bookkeeper and I hired a couple of mid-level bookkeepers over my time. And I found that they were much better. They could do the bookkeeping, but they would leave things unfinished. They would leave things for me to um, finish for them. um, And they wouldn't exactly um, take things all the way through to completion. So I still found myself spending a lot of time troubleshooting things, fixing their mistakes and that sort of thing. So I thought, okay, I know I'll hire a senior bookkeeper. Um, So I hired a couple of senior bookkeepers over my time, but they all had their own clients and they're so busy with bigger clients than myself um, and then my clients and the work I can give them. So they never prioritize my business. So in the end, I decided to go back to bookkeep, doing the bookkeeping myself and I hired an admin person to assist me with the data entry, the scanning of the receipts and social media and stuff around the office and that kind of thing. So, you know, that was my, my journey with working with staff. And the thing is, like, I couldn't make it work with staff. And I thought, you know, maybe it's because I don't have enough processes in place. And, you know, I tried putting some of those things in place, but I just found that it didn't work or the person didn't follow them or, you know, things just kept going wrong. And, you know, and the biggest thing about all of that was I remember the year that I hired staff, I checked my profit and loss statement at the end of the year. And not only had I spent my whole $100,000 that I'd made that year, but I'd also spent an additional $30,000 of my husband's wages, which made the business into a loss. And, you know, I'd spent all of that money on staff turnover you know, because every time you hire a new staff member, you've got to train them again from scratch. And then the hiring, like the hiring process itself can take about 40 hours per person, um, um, per, you know, role that you're hiring for. And I was exhausted. I was like working my backside off and I was getting nowhere. And I could, you know, I was spending all this money, trying all these different softwares to try and fix all of the problems. And I just couldn't see how, I could fix this because I felt like I'd tried everything. I I felt like I'd literally tried every possible solution on the face of the earth to fix my client problems, my income problems and my staff problems. And and none of it seemed to work. And, you know, by this stage, it was really getting me down. I was questioning myself, like, have I made the right decision to get back into bookkeeping? You know, is this really for me? Am I even a good bookkeeper? You know, because in my mind, I, I really mixed up the ability to, you know, communicate with the clients and to run the business side of things and manage the staff. I blended that all into the one. I didn't see the difference between my bookkeeping skill, which was actually at a very high level and my other skills where I was a complete beginner. I didn't make that distinction. And so 
you know, after asking me that, myself those questions and realizing like, I'm so stressed, like I'm stressed all the time. I'm working seven days a week. I, and I'm, and on top of all of that, like I'm missing out on the one thing I started my business for in the first place. Well, aside from making money, which I wasn't, I was losing money, but, but the reason I started in the first place was that I wanted to work from home and have a, a business that ran without me so that I could be around my son. And I was like, this is never going to happen. You know, my son was off in the other room being babysat by a nanny or on the, on the days when she wasn't in, he was at daycare for 11 hours a day. And I was spending most of my weekends uh, working while my husband took my son out to the park and did activities with him without me. You know, I wasn't there during that time. And, you know, even when I did manage to drag my sorry self away from the computer, I was consumed. Like my mind was consumed with the problems. Like I was, so every conversation I ever had with my husband during that season was like talking about clients who were giving me a hard time, like feeling stressed from the deadlines, like complaining about stuff and, you know, he, you know, my husband was very um, accommodating and, you know, he let me talk to him and he, you know, helped me process some of those things. But really like there was just always, the business was just always the center of my marriage. It was the center of, you know, it was the center of our home. And, you know, on top of all that, I was worrying about money and the thought of losing any of the clients, even though I didn't like them. And for me, you know, I was so close to my rock bottom at this point. Like I was close to you know, like having a literal uh, breakdown, you know, I was so stressed and my rock bottom came one day. I had a client who I really liked, like in my mind, she was my best client, best income, best company that I worked for and that kind of thing. And I made a mistake one day. And that mistake was that I'd missed a due date for a supply invoice that was due, uh, which she'd asked me to make sure that I don't miss and some somehow it got missed and it was it was my fault and I fixed it as soon as I realized and you know I explained to her that the email that she'd received saying that she's going to get charged like an overdue fee or something like that it was just an automated email from zero so I tried explaining that to her but she was telling me about it via text message um, and she was becoming quite aggressive. She wouldn't answer my phone calls though. And I thought, you know, I just need to speak to this client because, you know, obviously text message is not a good way to communicate when you're upset. And she said to me, I'm so angry with you. I can't speak to you right now. And I thought, oh my gosh, like, wow. Like, I didn't know what to say. I was so like, I was really shocked. And so about a week later, she called me and I went through and I, you know, I tried to explain what happened and that, you know, she wasn't really at risk of, you know, getting charged a fee. But I said to her, you know, if I ever made a mistake like that and cost you money, like I, I would fix that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, if you, if you did get charged that it was like a hundred dollar fee or something, like I would have paid that out of my own money. Like, you know, I wanted to show her that I cared about her and her business and that I had integrity and that, you know, that I, I'm not just someone who's going to not take responsibility for my actions. And I admitted that I'd made a mistake and all that kind of thing. And, you know, during the conversation, I, you know, I decided to ask her, you know, or to bring up that I wasn't happy with the way that she'd spoken to me and, you know, cause she'd sworn at me and, and that kind of thing. And, yeah, you know, I just said, look, you know, like uh, when you're upset, you know, just give me a call and, you know, because I don't like it when you swear at me and, you know, like if you can just 
take a step back and before you say something. And her response shook, shocked me. She said, I shouldn't have to think about how I'm going to speak to my bookkeeper. And it was the tone of her voice and the words that she said, like, as I heard those words coming out from her mouth, it was like a penny dropped. It was like, as if it was something that I'd known ever since my first consultation with her, like the first email I'd received from her saying that she wanted a consultation, like there were red flags in that email, but I never was able to put my finger on what the problem was in the way that she spoke to me, the way that she spoke to her staff. So even though I convinced myself that she was my best client, like there was still something that wasn't right. And in that one sentence that she said, I finally understood what, what one of the biggest problems was. And, you know, it wasn't just a problem that was between her and I, but it was between me and all of my clients. And what it was is that my clients saw themselves as being above me and I saw myself as being beneath them. You know, to them, I was just their bookkeeper. In their eyes, I was not a professional. I was not a business owner in my own right. And I was not even someone worthy of respect. You know, I was just an underling for them to order around or a nameless nobody behind a computer screen who was supposed to be available 24-7 to pump out information that they wanted at the click of a button. And, and that was when I knew I was done. And the words that came out of my mouth as a response were, there it is. Like as if I'd just found a missing piece of a puzzle that was very confusing. And then I, and then I went on to say, I, I'd like to cancel our engagement because I'm just not willing to work with someone who's willing to speak to me like that. And I hung up. And the following day I emailed her and her business partner and I explained to them, you know, why I decided to um, cancel offering service, services to them. And within that week, I also decided to send out an email to all of my clients, letting them know that I'd decided to cease offering bookkeeping services at all. And then I would finish the current quarter. Some of them, um, I called them and told them over the phone. And, you know, I explained to them that I'll help them with whatever they need to find a replacement and do a handover. But some of the clients, understandably, were very angry with me. But I really knew that I was making the best decision for my family and my own integrity, at least for that season of my life. I knew that I needed a break. And so for about a year prior to closing the business, I had been working with other bookkeepers, helping them with their websites and also helping them set up their engagement letters for e-signatures, which was something that I'd adopted along the way. And it wasn't very much income at the time, like definitely not enough to support me and my family, but I really love working with bookkeepers and I it never seemed to have these kind of bad experiences that I'd had with business owners. You know, I felt every time I worked with bookkeepers, I felt like they appreciated me. Um, they loved the work that I did for them. They treated me with respect. They, they valued my opinions and recommendations and they were happy to pay for my services they knew that they couldn't do the job that I was doing for them or they didn't have time and I never once felt bad for having my child at home as well in the background so you know I'd say hey you know like you might hear a squeak in the background and they'd be like oh that's okay I've got a squeak in the background too like my son's at home and things like that or they'd be you know like there was just a much broader like a much better understanding of that you know whereas with my business owner clients who you know they're all entrepreneurs without kids and things like that they're just 
I constantly felt on edge, like what if the nanny can't, doesn't keep my son quiet and they hear a squeak in the background, they'll think I'm so unprofessional. And I was really like anxious and on edge all the time. So I felt like I could be myself with bookkeepers. And, you know, when I worked with them, the best thing was that, you know, I was able to help them get results with the things that I helped them with. And over the next few years, this, what I'd been doing with the websites and eventually mentoring, it all evolved over time and eventually became what's now known as the Savvy Bookkeeper, which I'm going to share in episode four. But in the next episode, episode three, I'm going to be sharing all of the things that I realized and learned at the time during that break. So during my time off from the bookkeeping business and, you know, spending all of this time and effort building and growing savvy, um, you know, I had a lot of time to think about things from a very different perspective because running a, a business where you do mentoring, web, di- web design, which was what we were doing originally, we were a service-based business to, through to the transition of having Savvy almost completely productized, you know, it's a completely different business model. And I got to see many things from a totally different perspective than what I'd seen them as a bookkeeper, um, and which really gave me a lot of insight into being able to see what some of the mistakes were that I'd made and what the real problems were, you know, and I wanted a second chance. I wanted to give myself a second chance to pursue my vision because I knew that I had it in me to do it and to make the business successful. I knew that I could get the business profitable and I knew that I could get it running without me and I believed that I could. So I thought, well, you know, I've grown a lot as a person and as a business owner and, you know, I feel ready. Like, so in the next episode, I'm going to share a little bit more about how that went um you know how that whole time went and all the things that I realized and what made me decide to start again and how this season away from the business but still thinking about what I really wanted for the business like gave me a chance to be able to renew my vision so that I could start afresh I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next episode